rising with us. Thanks for being here today. We're in the middle of a series called Your Best Life Later, and we're learning about how to establish disciplines and behaviors that, uh, that, 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 that are contrary to what, you know, what, our, what our flesh wants, what our body wants. You know, we're all about instant gratification. Well, this series is really about establishing long-term disciplines that lead to long-term health. And so I'm glad that you're here this morning. <laughs> this is so cool, right? We're starting the year off learning about some disciplines, some behaviors that can set us on a different trajectory uh, for this whole year. I'm going to be sharing with you about some things I feel like God's laid on my heart and what I think God's about to raise up within our church in just a couple of minutes during the, during the talk or the conversation. Uh, but before we get there, let me give you some perspective on where we've been, and then let's, uh, let's pick up uh, in this series today. This series called Your Best Life Later started with Andy Stanley talking about our appetites. Remember that our appetites, these are Andy Stanley's words, not mine, but our appetites sometimes get jacked up. And that means they're out of control sometimes. And the important things about appetites is that we either rule them or they rule us. And understanding how to have dominion over these urges and impulses that lead us to stuff we shouldn't be engaged in. Learning to manage that, learning to overcome that is critical in the Christian journey. And so this series is about that. Now, last week we talked about how to order our life around how God originally designed for us to be living out in terms of our physical body, how, we're, how we've been living out uh, our best life later. And so we talked last week about our physical life. And so this series is really based on ordering all of our life around how God would lead us to, to live our lives out. So we talked about physical health last week. We talked about the importance of making sure that we're doing what God's called us to do physically in the way God's called us to do it. And if you missed that message, you can go online to check it out as well. Well, today we're going to talk about our spiritual lives and spiritual health. All right, so I want you to just get your mind around this incredible truth from Scripture. Jesus was asked this question on a certain day. Teacher, rabbi, what is the greatest commandment? Of all the, 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 of the 10 of the over 600 commandments in the Old Testament, what's the greatest commandment God ever gave to mankind? Now, remember we learned last week that God created us and he didn't leave us. He, he, he instructed us. He gave us a way to do life. And so what's the greatest one of those pieces of instruction? Well, Jesus, without hesitation, says two things. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, the greatest thing we can be doing with our time is, is, is being in a, in a right vertical relationship with God. That's to love God with all my heart, soul, and mind. And right horizontal relationships with other people. If we spend our relational uh, uh, time doing this, our relational capital doing this, investing in my spiritual health this way, and in my relational health horizontal this way with other people, then we'll be living out our best life. How many of you know, though, how many of you know that relationships are hard? Sometimes it's difficult to walk in a right relationship with God. It just is, and we'll talk about why in just a minute. Sometimes it's difficult to walk in right relationships with other people, with our family, our friends, our coworkers, our classmates, and on and on the list goes. So how do we order our lives around what God instructed for us in his word so that we can live out what Jesus says the best thing you can be doing with your time, to love God and to love people? Today we're going to focus on that vertical relationship. What does it mean to, be, to have spiritual health in terms of my relationship with God? And how does that impact my life? All right, so I want to take you back in time. Go back with me in your minds to the very, very beginning again. 
Because that's where we went last week and we discovered that there was, a, there was a creator of the universe who brought into existence not just a universe, not just matter and space and time, but a very ordered, specifically fine-tuned universe so that life could exist specifically on this planet Earth. I don't know for sure if life exists anywhere else on the planet. I mean, in the universe, I don't know. But I know for sure that God ordered this planet to to, to be inhabited by very specific and specially created people, you and me. And in doing so, he gave us some specific things to do with our physical bodies. (laughs) We talked about them last week, right? Procreation, production, and consumption. But, but there was a very interesting thing that God did in, in, in bringing about humanity onto this planet. You know, God had a couple of decisions to make. He had a kind of an either-or option once he brought humanity you know, into existence. God could have become a deistic God, meaning that he could have started all of creation and then stepped away from creation and observed from a distance how creation would work itself out. Deism is the idea that God started the world, but then stepped back and is now just an observer of what's going on in the world. But is that, what, is, that, is that what's revealed about God in Scripture? Did God step away or did he engage? Was he deistic or did he act in a theistic way, a personal way in terms of his creation? Well, Genesis chapter 2 actually reveals for us exactly what God chose to do in terms of engaging with his creation. I'm not going to read to you the entire chapter, but I want to show you, and you can write this down if you want to, God's personal involvement in creation specifically as it relates to humanity. So as you look at chapter 2, you start seeing that God creates the heavens and the earth. And very specifically in verse number 7, the Bible says in Genesis that he formed the man. And he formed the man out of the dust of the, of the, of the ground, of the earth. And, and so he used physical matter to bring about physical life. And so we see that God was active and very personal involved in the forming of the man. Did that take one day or, you know, did, was that a process of time? I don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. But it was very specifically designed, man was. And notice what he does in verse number 8. He put the man he had formed. Where did he put him? He put him, in, put him in a very specifically designed garden called the Garden of Eden. Now, church, we don't know where the Garden of Eden is. We have no idea. We, we know, we're pretty sure it's in the Middle East somewhere. But we don't know specifically where all those four rivers meet. And we don't know for sure. We can't geographically put it on a map somewhere. But we know this about the garden. It was made for man. It was made so that man who was specifically designed could live and enjoy the benefits of such a garden. So he placed man in the garden. Notice what else he does in the text. In verse number 15, we see that the Lord God commanded. Now, notice what takes place here. He makes man, he forms man, he places him in a garden, and then he walks with him and talks with him. Right? He, he, you know... God, the Father, does not have feet. So he didn't physically walk with man. But his presence was very much a part of what Adam and, and, and eventually in this story, Eve, were, were to be doing and, and who to be listening to. And so God walks with Adam. And what does he say? He walks with Adam through the garden. He said, you see those trees over there? They are delicious. They produce incredible fruit. You should eat all of that. That's amazing. 
And th- those trees right there, th- there's some incredible, incredible fruit from that as well. You can eat of those trees. But you see that one tree right there? That, that's called the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam, trust me, you don't want to eat of that tree. I know, I know you're going to think you do, but you don't. Because when you eat of that tree, you're going to die. And I know you don't know what death is because you've never died before. But just trust me, don't do it. And you see that tree right there? That's called, the not, that's called the tree of life. You should definitely be eating of that tree. It's a great, great tree. You need to eat of that tree. But just this one, don't touch. So we see God's personal interaction with his creation. He's instructing Adam and Eve on what, or Adam in this case, what to do and what not to do. Notice what else happens in the text down in verse number 18. Adam, uh, God looks at Adam because he's personally involved in the life of Adam. And he said, dude, <laughs> there is a big problem. <laughs> You're by yourself. And every guy in the room that's being honest with himself would concede the point that it is not good for man to be alone. I've been alone in my life. I've been the bachelor. I went to college, did that whole scene, and I had a trailer, and it was a wreck, a mess. We had dishes piled up constantly. There was, it was disgusting. There was mold on the food. Uh, we, had, we had a few other creatures hanging out in our house, and they were running around. And, and, and I mean, it was just, you couldn't even use the, the oven because it stunk so bad. It was so awful, right? And it took a good woman to come in, my sister-in-law to come in with her sister and clean that thing up. And then we messed it up again because that's what guys do. It's not good, fellas, for us to be alone. And so he made a helpmate, one suitable. And we see in the text that he doesn't hand off the suitable helpmate yet. He's going to do that a little bit later in the text. But God also does something very interesting. He brought them. Who is them? It's all of his animal kingdom creation. He brought them to the man to name them. Do you see how personally involved in the life of Adam he was? He forms him. He places him. He recognizes it's not good for him to be alone. He gives him an incredible responsibility of naming all of the animal kingdom. And then we see in verse number 22 that he brought her that suitable helpmate to the man. It's a great picture in scripture. And every time I speak, uh, every time I perform a wedding ceremony, I use this passage of scripture because it's powerful. I don't know if you realize this or not, but God was so personally involved in his creation, in the life of Adam and Eve, that he went to their wedding. And not only did he go to, his, to that wedding, he participated in the wedding. He was the one to walk the bride or soon-to-be bride down the aisle to be handed off to the soon-to-be groom. As when I preach today, when I speak at a wedding ceremony, I always use this picture. And I, it, when, the, when, the, when the bride is coming in, or soon-to-be bride is coming in down the aisle, she stops. And she's next to someone very important. And, and I look at both of them and I say, from the very beginning, some, spe- some, some special person in the life of a soon-to-be bride handed off that soon-to-be bride to the soon-to-be groom. In the very first account, it was God himself that handed Eve off. And I say to, to, to the couple that I'm marrying, I say, and for thousands and thousands of years, this same tradition has happened over and over again that some, spe- some special significant someone hands off the soon-to-be bride. God was involved. I think the picture here, if you want to kind of just get some, some imagery in your mind here, is the picture of walking with Adam and Eve. He was doing life with them. But church, one of the things that happens, and we'll see this in just a minute as well in Genesis chapter 3, is that when man chose to eat from the tree, the one tree, the fruit of that tree that, that God said don't eat of, that there was, a, there, was a, there was a union a union that was separated. There was a relationship that was broken in that moment. 
Now hear me, and we're going to see this again in just a moment. God had another decision to make. He was walking with Adam and Eve, close to them, involved in them, a theistic God. And sin brought separation, and God had to make a decision. Was he going to step away and allow man to fend for himself, or was he going to do something about the broken relationship? And we see in Jesus... We see in Jesus that God chose to re-engage with humanity. His greatest desire is for us to be in a right relationship with him. That is what you were created for. That's what I was created for. And so God made a way through Jesus, through his death, burial, resurrection, and his ascension. He made a way so that we could once again walk with God. Now, walking with God looks a little different than it did in the very beginning. As a matter of fact, for the next couple of minutes... I want to do just an exercise with you. It's going to be so practical that the truth of the matter is that like about 10 of you, maybe 15 of you are going to fall asleep. I know it because I already had one service and so I know that's going to happen. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the warning up front. When I give you this information, some of you are going to be so disconnected from it, you're going to wonder why you showed up for church. But if, it, but if that's the case, then, then, then I'm going to give you a chance to re-engage before it's over. So, so just don't leave. One of the most incredible things I I get a chance to experience is to walk with my creator. It's not exactly the same as it was in the beginning. There's no question about that. It's It's different. But it's certainly a walk. And in the Christian journey, this walking with God has different 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 seasons. It's pretty similar, quite honestly, to our own physical, uh, physical birth and death cycle as well. It's really amazing. Actually, I think there are probably three major seasons to the whole walk. And I want to give you, give you those seasons, those, those chapters, those, those segments, if you will, to walking with God. And here's what I want you to do. If you feel like you are in a relationship with God, would you allow this to just be uh, maybe, maybe just some kind of test Or some kind of filter to allow you to see yourself and where you are in a journey of walking with God. Because all of us who are called Christ followers are somewhere in this journey. There's really three different seasons. Walking with God has an infancy stage, an adolescent stage, and an adulthood stage. And we're going to unpack those for the next couple of minutes. This is God, through Jesus, taking us back to Genesis chapter 2. Here's what it looks like. Let's talk about the infancy stage to begin with. In terms of of walking with God now after the fall, there's this infancy stage that has to happen. It's that moment in time, this is where infancy stage begins, it's that moment in time where you finally come to terms with the fact that you need a relationship with God. So there's a confession of sin, there's, 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 a, there's an understanding that I need to be in this relationship, there's a repentance phase to that, there's this picture of, you know, I'm going to turn away from what I've been doing and I'm going to turn towards this relationship with God and honor him with my life instead of honoring you know, my own agenda and my own self in this world. And so there's this pivotal point that happened to me when I was like five or six, right? And I, I, I remember at this age in my life, I mean, I wasn't that bad at five or six, all right? I mean, I, haven't, I hadn't done that many things wrong. I think I probably talked back to my parents and probably punched my brother and probably, you know, was rude and lied a couple of times, probably even stole a few things, quite honestly, at that point in my life, all right? But I mean, I, you know, in terms of what we say, the big, big things were at five or six, I, you know, I didn't have time to do a lot of that. But I remember feeling an incredible need to know this God who created me. 
I remember, I remember longing for that, even weeping over that, right? At five or six, I remember crying and weeping and being broken about where I was and where I wanted to be. It was really, I didn't understand it all. So I made a decision then to give my life to Christ. And then soon after that, Keith Burden, who's now the executive director of the Free Will Baptist denomination. I grew up Free Will Baptist. And he's the executive director of the denomination, came over to my house and he said, Matt, you, you said you made this decision to accept Jesus into your heart. And he, I, he said, help me understand what that was like. And do you know what baptism is all about? And he walked me through that process of what, why I should get baptized and what it means to follow Christ. And it was amazing. And I remember getting baptized. Keith Burden, I remember him putting me in the water and I coming up out of it. And it was an incredible experience, right? Those are the infancy steps. Some of you know exactly what I talk about, I'm talking about. Sometimes for some, you know, for some people, the decision to follow Christ sometimes is very emotional. Sometimes it's more volitional, like you're going to surrender your will to, to God's will. For some of you, it was a blubbering mess moment, wasn't it? I mean, you don't like to admit it or confess it, but for some of you, you were just beside yourself and you cried all over and you snotted all over someone else. You know, that's how, that's how we in Free Will Baptist knew someone was really saved, right? Because they just had snot running down their nose like crazy. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's like a crazy transformational moment. But that's just the beginning. One of the things that has to happen in the infancy stage in a relationship with God is there has to be affirmation. Because here's the deal. When you make a decision to follow Christ, this is what walking with God has to start like. When you make a decision to follow Christ, one of the things that happens almost immediately is our very real enemy, our adversary, comes alongside of us and says, you know what, that was totally an emotional experience and it wasn't real at all. That, that pastor, you know, Matt was really good and he just preached that great message and you got all worked up and you went down to those steps and you got all carried away in the moment, but it's Monday now and let's just deal with real life again. There wasn't anything real with that. So what you need more than anything else in the beginning of a relationship is you need affirmation that you are loved and you are forgiven and you are accepted in a relationship with him and you belong to the family of God and he has purposes and plans for your life. You need to know that. In the infancy stage, there's a knowledge issue here that has to happen because when you come out, you're not full grown and you need to know some stuff. <clears throat> In this first stage of infancy, the information that you need to know is, you know, what am I supposed to be, how, what am I supposed to be doing? I mean, how, how, um, uh, what does it look like to start walking with God? And that's why in the beginning stage, things like, things like Bible reading are so important, right? Sunday school, read your Bible, pray every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. Remember that song? The reason why it's in Sunday school is that's where the foundations are formed. And, and so this idea of reading and studying and praying are so important. And how many of you know this? If you've tried to read the Bible before, especially if you're the first time, it was so confusing. You just put it down. You're like, I'll never read that again. Especially if you tried to read it in the King James Version, you just gave up like on the third word because you don't speak that way anymore. And so that's kind of how that went for you. And if you've checked out on that and gave up on that, hear me. Would you please, for your best life later, for you to walk with God the way God wants you to walk with him, would you do me a favor and re-engage in that? You're never going to experience the fullness of what it means to walk with God if you're not in his word and on your face before him praying in a relationship with him. It's about study. It's about praying. It's about church attendance. It's about coming and hanging out with other people who are in love with Jesus as well and want to know more about him. And so these are the infancy stages. It's about how to learn about the disciplines. At Solace Church, we're going to be offering in the near future through our next steps process, we're going to offer in kind of a new believers class to help all those who are in this stage to move forward. And one of the things that they need in this stage more than anything else is a mentor uh, infancy stage needs mentorship. They need people who've been there and done that to come alongside them and help them learn what a relationship with God looks like. 
So this is how it all begins. And if you're there, man, let me hear me. If you're in that phase, my prayer is that you would begin to start applying these things. I'm going to read. I'm going to study God's word. Even if I don't understand it all, I'm going to start praying. I'm going to be connected to a local church. I'm going to be in a group, a solace group, uh, because I need that accountability that comes with that. Uh, these are the infancy stages, but, but something interesting happens. It's the next stage. Something interesting happens after the infancy stage. We call this the adolescent stage. Something very interesting happens. So, you know, you start these things. I, I had that blubbering mess experience, and now I'm starting to read my Bible and pray, and, and I'm coming to church, and maybe I'm giving financially, and, and, but something really weird happens. You start, really, you start realizing, you know, there's something within me that's stirring I can't even explain it. I don't even understand it all. But there's something in me that's saying, I need to start giving myself away. I thought for most of my life that the world revolved around me, but in Christ I realize it doesn't revolve around me. Actually, it's about serving and loving other people. And so I, I feel like God's saying to me, hey, it's time to go get connected. It's time to get involved. It's time to find your place. And so in this stage of adolescence, it moves from affirmation to opportunity. The walk with God shifts. And so God, as he walks with you, says, hey, I love you. You're forgiven. You're saved. You're my child. Now, come on, I've made you for a purpose. Now that we've got the whole salvation you know, thing, you know, it's, it's, it's working. Let's, let, let's talk about now why you're here. And so you move from infancy to teenage years, these adolescence years, where you go, what's my contribution? As a matter of fact, the knowledge, thing, the knowledge question here in adolescence is, what on earth am I here for? Why am I here? And what am I supposed to be doing? It's called kingdom contribution. It's the way that you, you allow God to use you, the way you've been wired, your history, your passions, your story, your giftedness, your uniqueness to offer that to a world that desperately needs what you have to offer. And there's some people in the room right now and you've never discovered that about yourself. The truth of the matter is you're not experiencing life in, in its fullness in a relationship and walk with God because you've never discovered exactly how God's wired you. Before the day's over, I'm going to give you a chance to, to go on a journey starting today of understanding that process. If you're here and you've never discovered that, you're at the right service to be able to discover that. I won't leave you by yourself. I'll tell you about it in a couple of more minutes. And so it's all about knowledge. And lastly, I would just say about this whole idea of the adolescent stage is the church would do itself a favor if it would begin to empower people to live out their kingdom contribution. All right. Real quick, let me say this. Solace Church, we're an incredible place. 2016, 2016 could be the most effective ministry year of the entire existence of Solace Church. We're 11 years old, okay? And if you're here in the new building, you may think about yourself or about our church. We came a little bit late, right? It would have been cool to be a part of the old building where we crammed 700 people in 5,300 square feet. And that was so much fun. And cars were lined up. And you took pictures of the cars that were lined up to get into Solace Church to see me. And Oh, wait a minute, but to see Jesus. And so, I mean, so this incredible thing was happening. And you could go to this church and you're like, I missed out. Oh, you didn't miss anything, Really? Do you know why? Because I think God brought us here, 11 years old now as a church, to prepare us and shape us for the most incredible impact that Solace Church has ever been able to make. God, through Solace Church, reaching out into the world and impacting people's lives. The best, my friend, is not over, it's yet to come. And God uses the local church to be light shining in darkness so the world can see the love of the Father. And the local church is not the building. The local church is you living out your kingdom purpose in a walk with God. The third stage of walking with God is about adulthood. And this is a really interesting phase. And 
And some of you are there. And let me, let me tell you how you know you're there. Because some of you have been saved and some of you have been on this journey a while and you've got the whole, you know, the whole disciplines things down and you're studying, you're reading and praying, maybe even fasting now and you're giving and you found your kingdom contribution and all that's great. But how many of you know this? <clears throat> at some point in a relationship with God, in this whole thing of doing this journey of God, at some point, doing also seems not sufficient. It's really weird. It's not that you'll ever stop doing, but it's really weird. What happens is, is you know, you're, you're the faithful one to church and you're always here. And man, you've heard Genesis chapter 2 preached now like 1,400 times, right? Like this is like, you've heard this message so many times, you might already be disconnected. You're that person. You're like, man, church used to be so amazing. Now it's just all right. Just okay. You know what's going on inside your heart? It's a shift. Because in adulthood... It shifts from opportunity to intimacy. Most people think the end goal is to when I find my place, you know, on Team Solace and I serve in church and I give and all these things things are in order. But I would say that's not the end. That really is just the beginning of a transition into intimacy. What does intimacy look like? You ready? The knowledge piece of intimacy is really, really unique. You found out the disciplines and you found out what you're on earth to do. And the knowledge piece looks like this. You ready? I just want to hang out with Jesus. I, I, don't, I don't even know for sure. I don't know for sure if there's something new I'll learn, but you will because he's infinite and we're finite. That's not even the emphasis now. This knowledge shift is, I just like being with you. It's an incredible shift. The, the relationship, the walk with God goes from doing to being. From father-son or father-daughter relationship to bride and groom relationship. So that you just want to be with them, man. You just want to hang with them. You want to spend time with them. And so really the key word here is time. It's hanging out with Jesus. And so hear me. This is adulthood. You're contributing. Maybe even you're mentoring. But in your, the best thing you can think about doing is not just being overly busy, but to find time just to hang out with Jesus, man. Oh, oh, the pinnacle is a blend between Bible scholars, come on, Mary and Martha. At the feet of Jesus, living out my kingdom contribution. All right, so I told you that... uh, a few of you may fall asleep during that period. So if that's you and you checked out and you thought, man, that was about 10 minutes I'll never get back in my life. <clears throat> Tune back in for just a minute. Because here's what I've discovered about this whole walk with God thing. If you're writing anything down, you should definitely write this down because I'm about to speak to a few more of you in the room today. The truth is, in our spiritual life, we are either walking with God or walking away from him and hiding. Remember Genesis 2 when God was very active and involved? You know what happens in Genesis 3? Adam and Eve go to that tree they shouldn't have eaten of. And they go to that tree and they pick the fruit and they eat of that. And in that moment, the relationship with God changes. I want to show you how drastically the relationship changes. And I'm about to show you a glimpse into some of our hearts in this room this morning This is what's going on with some of us. Notice verse number 8 of chapter 3. Then the man and his wife, after they ate, heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden. They heard the sound of God because he walked with them many times before. What was the best part of their day now becomes a crisis. In the cool of the day, and they 
hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Verse number nine, it goes on to say this, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And then in verse number 10, he answered and he said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Because you're either walking with God or away from him and hiding. If we were being honest with ourselves in the room today, there are some people in the room A description of your spiritual health, of your spiritual life right now is you're in the trees, in the woods, hiding from your creator. You're entangled right now in a sin. You're wrapped up in a situation, a circumstance that you should not be involved in and you know it, but you're not ready to come and face the creator who made you and who purposed your life because you don't want to give up on the sin right now. You're running in it and you're hiding and when God calls out, where are you? You know what? For a while now, you've been running deeper into the woods, hiding more from your father. There are some of you today, here's the truth, your, your spiritual life is not, not functional right now because there is a wound, something's happened to you, there's a circumstance that's happened to you and you are so broken, you are so angry at God, you are so resentful about what took place that you're just hiding. You're not going into entering that wound and walking with the Father, you're running far, far away from him. And there are some of us in the room, we are so full of bitterness and, and resentment and anger towards someone else, there's unforgiveness that's just settled into our heart and we're not letting God go there, we're hiding that part from him because we're either walking with him or walking away from him. If you're hiding today, if you're walking away from him, can I give you one picture in closing of your father? When Adam and Eve went and hid in, 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 in hid themselves from their father, from this, from this creator they've been walking with, when they hid themselves, God made an interesting, God did an interesting thing. God first of all, pronounced a curse and pronounced consequences for sin because sin always has consequences. But right after that, he did something so amazing. You know what he did? He went and he, he sacrificed an animal. He killed an animal and he gathered the outer coating of the animal. And he brought Adam and Eve out of hiding and he brought them into the light and he wrapped them in this coat and covered them, saying to them in no uncertain terms, I want to walk with you. If you will get out of the trees and stop hiding, I will rescue you and forgive you and redeem you and lead you through that brokenness if you'll just come out of the trees and walk with me. So here's what I want us to do today because I think God's saying the same thing to some of you this morning. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Hey, this is Pastor Matt Blair. Thank you so much for taking time to check out our podcast today at solacechurch.com. You know, we realize that it's possible, as you listen to this message today, that God may have spoken to your heart about something. So if you made any kind of spiritual decision, we would love to know about that. You can email us at info at solacechurch.com and let us know what happened in your life today. Once again, thank you so much for taking time to check out this podcast.